welcome all. I am Ethan Valentine O'Connell, and he is Petros Partsilabus. And this is Scenes on Screen. And on today's episode, we will be discussing what we watched this week and the Bill and Ted franchise. Pet, do you want to start us off with what you watched this week? So, as the owner of a small child, uh, a lot of my viewing habits tend to be uh, kids' films. So, <laughs> this week I watched both Finding Nemo and Finding Dory, which uh, for like obviously is a big topic we'll be talking about on this, like these kind of later sequels. I think they work perfectly well, and I guess in animation it's something you can do seamlessly, like uh, that you can't really you can't really do in live action. Obviously, actors will get older, whereas like animation, it looks like it it, it could have been made. It could be the next day. Who knows? Yeah, 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 exactly. And obviously, like the the kind of like time frame of it all, and like yeah, the super fun super sweet and like it's got a, it's got an extra emotional punch for me especially uh finding nemo uh being a dad like it, and it is that figure like i kind of watched it before and it's like yeah this is perfectly fine it's perfect like passable like something about just films in general now that have that like through line like kind of yeah like being a dad like father thing will just like knock me for six and uh finding finding Nemo especially was did that but again finding Dory is a perfectly like passable sequel it nowhere does it stand up to the original but at the same time so many jokes so much fun so like great additions to like the voice cast as as well as um Obviously, Ellen, a bit, bit, yeah. bit <laughs> to mention now. Um, sorry, I'm trying to think. Uh, who's the Who's the old guy who plays Marlin? Anyway, uh, it's the Albert Brooks. Albert so, Brooks, yeah, yeah, yeah. Albert Brooks. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then some of like the kind of like uh, bit part characters in there. So like you get like a seal voiced by Idris Elba nice. in Finding Dory, which is great. And I totally forgot that Willem Dafoe voices Gil in the first one it's like that's just perfect casting like and it kind of like does this double bluff that he's going to be like some kind he's going to be like a bad guy and he's not he's actually the one who saves Nemo he gets him out and kind of sacrifices himself to do well not sacrifice himself but he could have like escaped to freedom as well but he gets Nemo out instead of himself which is yeah yeah, because I, I I'm trying to remember back to the the first one. I I still need to watch Finding Dory actually, but I do remember um I do remember thoroughly enjoying the first one. And um yeah, because like the first time you see Gil, he's kind of like you know got like that kind of like scar on his face. It's very classic Disney villain. But then you discover like the reason why he has that is because he just wanted to escape and go back into the ocean. Yeah, so like it's it's like and and that perfect casting of Willem Dafoe to do that voice because. Absolutely. As we can see, I will see him in films, whether it's his Bobby Peru in like Wild at Heart, or he, he, even even Spider Man, like as the Green Goblin, like Norman Osborn. He's got a, he's got he's got an underlying menace to his performance, yeah. or an outright menace a lot of the time as well. So like 
yeah, it's 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 Pixar like using those playing upon what the audience knows to kind of like sub and then subvert our expectations, which is 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 fantastic. Um, what about yourself? Uh, yeah, yeah, oh, we'll go back and forth for what we've been watching. What, what, what have you been watching this week? Yeah, that's cool. Uh, so this week I watched uh, a little film called James White. Um, uh, came out back in 2015. Um, was directed and written by Josh Mond, um, who I believe is previously known for directing Mark. Yeah, he directed uh, Martha Marty May Marlene, um, which is a film I quite enjoyed. Um, I believe was also the film that uh, got Elizabeth Olsen her role in. Um, in the Marvel films as Scarlet Witch. So yeah, okay. clearly uh, clearly someone up at Marvel like that too. Um, but no, this film stars uh, Christopher Abbott, uh, Cynthia Nixon, and uh, Scott Muscuddy, obviously known as Kid Cuddy to most, uh, which tells the story of a man who's just lost his father and is trying to deal with that whilst also dealing with uh, his mother, played by Cynthia Nixon, um, while she has uh, stage four cancer. And it's a, I, I thought, found it a really powerful um, character piece just on him, um, on Christopher Abbott's character. It's, you, you see this, this guy in like the most, like in, in his absolute worst and his absolute best, but you really, you feel for him um, through, this and you have his best friend who's played by Kid Cardi who's just like absolutely supportive as well and yeah it was a very very moving film I found um there was little things I wanted to just highlight on which were the use of music which isn't necessarily traditional it's like um all of the music in it is all background music it's all like music that's been like is playing in at so social events or like pubs and bars and stuff but there's just some really good songs in there like you have uh, bad bad not good's confessions um you have uh, danny brown smoking and drinking in a club scene which is just so appropriate obviously um and yeah i just thought that was like really a really cool use of it and then there's some yeah some really great editing in there as well there's a scene where chris rabbit's character loses um his mum and he's like frantically trying to look for her all over New York and it keeps doing these like quick cuts of just the back of his head like in different parts of New York and it's really like just ranks up the ten um racks up the tension. It's something so simple but it just works so well and perfect. Well yeah. I, I was worried for a second when you said he loses his mum, which obviously like is another term for his mum dying. So I thought for a second you're just like, I haven't seen this, so you fucking spoiled it for me. I was, <laughs> I, I, I was ready to just kick off, and it's interesting you saying about the music because actually, like, looking, I've just Googled it, and it says the music is by Scott Miss Cuddy, obviously, uh, Kid Cuddy himself. Uh, I'm not sure yeah. which role he would have, like, is there any, is there any original score in there, or is it all just kind of like, um, yeah, no, uh, di like diget non diegetic music, I think it is. Or yeah, so this is the thing. Like, I, I went in seeing that credit and I was like, oh, okay, this is really interesting because I'd always wanted to hear um, Kid Cudi do a score for something. Because obviously, like, a, one of the big things with his music is that he's very good at creating atmosphere, whether it's just like the music that he chooses or the way that he uses his voice. He's quite known for doing like a lot of low hums that people 
you know, find very, yeah, like get very lost in and whatnot. But um, I don't recall hearing much of an actual score in it, which is quite weird. And I've even seen reviews comment on the fact that there's there, um, that the lack of score is something that they really liked about it. So I'm not, I'm not too sure about that credit. It's weird. Um, so yeah, maybe I'll just have to go back and watch at some point, but yeah. It might, it might possibly be that like, I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there, but he might have just picked the music for the film. Like that's yeah, that's very likely actually. Like played like a music supervisor role, but they've gone well. You picked all the all the music within within reason and rights wise. Like yeah, and from what you said, man, and even just looking at the set the, the soundtrack, I think I'm definitely gonna gonna jump into this film as 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 soon as I can. Uh, there's some there's some bangers, should I say? Yeah. If a, if a movie's got anti up by MOP, I'm gonna watch it. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah as... uh, oh, and just to say uh, that's yeah. um, available to stream at the moment on Mubi. That's spelled M-U-B-I. Uh, they are a streaming service that usually um, it's like a, um, they have thirty films at a time, but one gets added. One gets added and one gets taken off every day. But since um, when we moved into lockdown, they recently opened up their library. And this happens to be one of the films that's in there. Amazing, amazing. Uh, I've been, what else have I watched? I watched Zodiac this week. So uh, the complete polar opposite from uh, <laughs> Finding Nemo and Finding Dory. Uh, and it's it's a film I like. I, it's, it's, it, it, pain, it not pains me to say this, but it feels like a weird like phrase to use when talking about Zodiac. But I think I love this film. It's, it's, I, I genuinely think it's a masterpiece. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to just throw that word around. Um, I think it does a really good job of not, uh, of, of being set in the 70s and being very, feeling very much of that era, but, um, but it using like newer techniques and stuff uh, to like almost like elevate um, that kind of a thing. And it's, yeah just fantastic and i was quite surprised when um because i i uh yeah i watched it quite later on and even though like 2007 2008 was such a good year for film um this one didn't seem to be as much in the conversation as i thought it would have been um it seemed to get very overshadowed by films like there'll be blood and uh no country for old men yeah i i i guess it's that thing and i think this is the film that we definitely can it really hit upon that true crime thing before true crime. And I've, I've heard yeah. people recently talk about a film you mentioned on the last episode of the podcast, uh, Bong Joon-ho's Memories of Murder. Yes. Uh, which a lot of people say, like, that is almost like a prototype to Zodiac. It kind of, like, not follows the same formula, but obviously deals with a true crime event that happened like following following a serial killer but even like kind of yeah i've heard people say that you can see david fincher had possibly seen that and used elements of that film and the kind of storytelling i know in uh from what i know of memories of murder it's three cops right or it's it's there's a multiple protagonists it's more about them as it is about the murder itself which is 
very much how Zodiac plays out, isn't it? It's kind of the the two journalists and the cop, and like it's it's about them, but it's, it's obviously the backdrop is the Zodiac murders. So for you, like, yeah, is there is there that comparison between Memories of a Murder and Zodiac, or have I, have I been misinformed? Um, as far as I know, I've still not actually seen uh, Memories of Murder, but oh, um, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just I'm very <laughs> I'm I'm very much um, I'm just very enthusiastic about Bong Joon Ho being more. Uh, more popular at the moment, so I'm just kind of like just pushing that, really. Um, but no, from from what I know, it is still um, very much that. I guess well, I like from what I know here, but I do know that it's a bit more about like that obsession. Obviously, you know what Jake well, but I guess both Jake Gyllenhaal and um, Robert Downey Jr.'s character go through. You know, you see where both these men, like what what obsession drives them towards. You know. Um. Yeah. Yeah, because it's it's an interesting one. Because I I like I watched Zodiac with my parents and like uh, got to the end and my my mom asked, "Is that it?" And like I can I I can definitely like understand that kind of rationale and like I can <laughs> see that like um I don't know people being not upset with the film but like kind of like feeling a bit deflated at the end because it is based on that that unsolved like true crime of like thing it's there is no there is no like neat bow ending where it's like this is definitively the killer like it, it they obviously in postscript can can say things but obviously i think the film is based on robert gray smith's book anyway so like He's got his guy, like he's got his Lee, um, Arthur Lee Allen, like who yeah. he's really like convinced. Whereas like, it's a whole world. You can go out in a whole world and like, there's podcasts, upon podcasts, upon podcasts, TV show. Loads of people just obsessed with with like Zodiac, and there's all these names that come up. People still like to this day trying to figure out who it is, and it's like, I don't. I just feel like and obviously you can kind of yeah you can if that wet your whistle with Zodiac you can obviously jump into David Fincher's TV series Mindhunter which is basically like a like even timeline wise like it's almost like a without the kind of jump forward we get in Zodiac it is almost like a spiritual sequel anyway because it's yeah. like Zodiac was the first serial killer like well like legit mean like of the kind of 20 uh, 20th century really like mm. if we if we discount kind of like i don't know hh H. holmes which i think was at the end of the 19th century. anyway but like, like mean, jack the ripper and, yeah yeah of the kind of 60s he was like the big one and then like mm. it, into the the 70s and then we kind of that is that is basically where mindhunter jumps up from and it's like yeah that's i don't know that's um yeah, it's great. It's great. If you haven't seen Zodiac, what are you doing? What are you doing, yeah. guys? Watch it. It's, it's on. It's on Netflix now. Like, yeah, it was on Amazon Prime. I think it, I'm, not, I'm not. It's quite weird. I've noticed recently there's a few films that are on both. Uh, yeah, like I, I remember there was a period where both 
uh, the original, like, uh, I say the original, technically, but the remake, uh, the Oceans trilogies were both on Prime and Netflix. Oh, and I was just yeah. like, oh, I didn't know you guys could get both of them. <laughs> okay, so I um, I had watched Zodiac like a, a couple of months ago when I saw it was on Prime, and I was like, wow. And then when I saw it, it was on Netflix, because they'd kind of been doing, like, big, like, banner ads for it and stuff like that when you're on the home screen. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. I've got to watch it again. <laughs> uh, uh, Can't hurt now. <laughs> uh, like, there's all this other stuff, all these classics I've never seen, but I'll dedicate five hours of my life to watch Zodiac twice in the space of two two months. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Fine. Why not? Uh, amazing. What else? Uh, yeah, what else have you been uh, watching? Ethan? Uh, so I watched a film called um, Vep. Um which is a film about a it's it's kind of almost like half set in it's very meta um it's it play it, so basically it portrays uh maggie chung uh mostly known for um her works in um in chinese cinema with uh like jackie chan with films like police story but also for her work with Wong kar wai um like in the mood for love in 2046 uh, she did a film with Olivia Asayas. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, yeah, called Irma Vep, um, which is a film where she plays herself. Um, and they're filming a re- yeah, remake of um, Les Vampires. And it's kind of like almost the, the falling apart of this remake. It's a very, yeah, it's an interesting film, um, but it also makes commentary on um, where film, specifically like French cinema was at the time, but it's also like, um, it focuses on Maggie's character as well being uh, somewhat like almost like lost in translation where like she doesn't know, she doesn't know like basically like no French. Uh, she only speaks English and Chinese. Um and so yeah it's just her trying to like feel comfortable in her surroundings and whatnot um and yeah just a very like i i just love films about making films yeah i'm i'm uh i'm just amazed i've never heard of it it sounds it sounds great uh just a quick one as well um Mm. a vep it's just an anagram for vampire it is that does play into it yeah yeah yeah, wow. wow. Uh, yeah, so this came out in 1997 as well. Like, yeah. I had no idea this existed. Well, certainly it will be hitting like uh, the top of my to watch list under a third watch of Zodiac. Of course, of course. <laughs> and uh, that is currently streaming over on the uh, BFI player for free. Amazing, amazing. So I guess we should talk about the. The, the main act of this obviously we'll be talking a lot about uh bill and ted face the music but i guess first of all it's good to, to go back in time to 1989 and discuss yeah. bill and ted's excellent adventure uh so what was your entry point into the bill and ted franchise uh good question uh basically this was one of the first films I ever remember watching. Um, so I, I just, I don't remember a time before Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted has just always been there. Um, 
you know, like high praise from my household, really. Like I even went to go see the new one with my brother. Um, and yeah, we, yeah, absolutely like adore these films. Um, the enduring charm of them all, uh, basic, yeah, like started a long life obsession with Keanu Reeves as well. Um, and yeah, and obviously uh, somewhat shaped my music taste as well. Um, I was very much in my early age, I was very much influenced by heavy metal and whatnot, and then went on to expand my music taste a little bit more. But yeah, how about you? I I think my entry point into this is Bogus Journey as opposed oh, okay. to Excellent Adventure. Um, and I've got like a very, very clear memory of there was a shop like my local like parade called Smoking. So it's on the corner. And I remember like going in there, they did like video rentals, but you could also buy like, yeah, they, they just sold, they sold videos. And I remember seeing the cover just that really striking cover of bogus journey of like them like pressed up against like the glass or like the case as it were and being like i don't know gotta have been about seven or eight like maybe and just being like what is this film and i would say of the two it's definitely it's the, the darker of the two like a film that yeah was- i mean uh this isn't necessarily a spoiler because it happens so early on but uh bill and ted actually die in like the first 15 minutes of the film well yeah the original title of the film was bill and ted goes to hell yeah but like because uh, like the 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 u.s being like oh everyone was like really scared about using the word hell in the title so they went you know what we'll 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 we'll, we'll, we'll change it bogus journey yeah. uh, and yeah. i remembered and it's quite like it's, it's a film that's like left a lasting impression on me. So like, they them scenes from Hell, and I I, I rewatched mm. them like this week. I just knew I just knew them like even though I haven't watched I haven't watched Bogus Journey in year like in a good few years. I just like I knew the I I knew each dream like not dream but like each kind of hell scenario. Like off, like the back of my hand. I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, we're gonna get go, like first this Colonel Oates, and then we're gonna yeah. go into." Uh, we're gonna go into well, let's let's know. let's leave that until the actual bogus journey bit, maybe. Yeah, but I'm just saying, yeah. like that. This, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is my experience with thing, uh, and like obviously, I don't know, like what? Yeah, like what is? It it just it, yeah, it just really hit. And I, I remember it was like frightening, but so fun. And I remember mm. like. Just at the end of that, just always humming like "Go to the road," <laughs> like, absolutely loving it as a kid, and kind of like yeah. wishing that I could like do the guitar with my hands. Like <laughs> you can't, you can't obviously see it because you're listening to a podcast. But I'm doing like the, the guitar hands, like Bill and Ted, and just yeah, yeah like absolutely like. I don't know. I think there's like a big argument that can be had between like the two camps of like, are you Bill and Ted or are you Wayne's World? Yeah. I think I very much fall into the Bill and Ted camp. Absolutely. Same for me. Um, So yeah, let's get into, um, yeah, into Excellent Adventure, which uh, sees... So this is yeah set in um, set in high school. Uh, they're they're about to flunk 
their um, their history report. And if they do, um, Ted is going to get sent to um, a military camp. And so um, Rufus, played by George Carlin, R.I.P., uh, comes back. Uh, yeah, comes back through time to give them a um, a time machine, which is a telephone box, which apparently was, I don't think was actually influenced by Doctor Who. It just happened to be, because originally it was going to be a, um, a minivan. Did you know that? Well, like you say about Doctor Who, but Doctor Who isn't based on a telephone box. It's based on no. an old school police box. So phone boxes are up for, up, up for, up for debate. And it like, they, they can be, they're free, they're free game. If it was the DeLorean, we could be like claiming, uh, <laughs> yeah, we could be claiming plagiarism. But I, I don't know. I think it's it's become iconic unto its own right. Like, yeah, yeah, like um, um, phone boxes in America look completely different to phone boxes in the UK. True, and they're, regardless, they're all obsolete now anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so yeah, this sees them uh, going back through time, collecting um, different. Uh, historical figures such as Beethoven, um, Abraham Lincoln, uh, Socrates, um, Can I Sigmund stop you Freud. for a second? You've mm. got to give them their proper names. It's Beef Oven <laughs> Socrates. <laughs> Sigmund Freud. <laughs> yeah, Freud. Yeah, yeah. And- Freud, dude. <laughs> That, but Love that it. is the, that is the charm of the of these characters. And like, uh, yeah. I did a bit of research, and this came out of like the characters were kind of like about from uh, the creators Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon since 1983, and they kind of just had this idea in like a UCLA improv class to just have these two guys who knew nothing about history trying to explain history and yeah that, that they kind of kicked about those characters for a while and then eventually fast forward six years and they're making yeah bill and ted's excellent adventure sorry i just wanted to no, no, that's jump good. in there and correct you because I, I i i can't have you being too chin strokey going oh socrates and it's like <laughs> talking about bill and ted dude less less weird <laughs> Oh no! Don't get it. Right. I'm going to be getting way more into like the historical humor, I guess, of the things because that's a, um, these films are kind of always seen as kind of just like big dumb fun, which they are. Don't get me wrong, but there are some genuinely like well kind of thought out jokes with there. Like I think all the humor that's done about Sigmund Freud is just so funny. Like uh, the way how he tries to um, Oh, he tries to do basically like a therapy session with like the policeman who's interviewing, um, who's like interrogating him or um, even just down to like little side gags. Like at one point we see him meeting a corn dog. Like a lot of people think that's due to his obsession with uh, the penis and whatnot. Like, well, well there's, yeah. there's a great like bit at the end where he does like the whole, um, yeah, he does like a psychoanalysis on, on Ted. And then, like he says to like he says to Bill, like, "Oh, like do, do like your turn." He's like, "Don't worry about it. I've only got like a minor Oedipal complex." And it's like <laughs> for two guys who are like supposed to be really dumb, like that is obviously like you know that they wouldn't know what that means. No. But it's just such a good joke, and 
the plot to this as well uh this one especially like and i think that's the thing with these films as they go on the the kind of plot gets like slightly more convoluted as we go along whereas this yeah. one is really simple isn't it it's like you've got until tomorrow to pass it, it, yeah you've got you, you've got a cram in a night to 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 pass to pass a, an oral test but these guys happen to go back through like hist- like I don't I can imagine that elevator pitch going right we got 12 hours um and there, there's like some discrepancies in the time because there's there's a point when they have to do chores and they have like 45 minutes left or something or like an hour left or something I'm like yeah. those chores but 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 that's 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 that, that's besides the point that's me just yeah. being finickety with it and like kind of like trying to understand time logic and stuff like that but they are dumb fun but as you yeah the yeah. point you mentioned that they're, they're, they're really smart yeah no and it's i mean i think i think some of the like the best humor does even come from like the historical figures just watching like even just explaining like like there's a scene where from sigmund freud and or Freud um and billy the kid are like hitting on two girls in and yeah, in a shopping mall um, cafeteria, it's just absurd, but it's so funny. Or like, um, or Beethoven, like, um, yeah, like going into a music store and just like getting all the keyboards and playing them. Or like, yeah, Joan of Arc doing um, some kind of like aerobics class and stuff like that. It's just, it's it's so much fun. And like one of the things I'd say, especially about like it's established this first one, it's so sweet natured, like. I don't like... Yeah, like they they just mean well, you know. I mean obviously the the constant mantra throughout all these films is be excellent to each other and party on, dude. And it's there's an enduring charm to that. And you know, I I feel I mean not to get too ahead of ourselves, but I really do think like having the new one come out this year of all years was was quite important uh, quite important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like um I don't know why I went. Uh... Yeah. So, like, obviously, we've we we we're deep into this. We haven't even mentioned the fact that obviously, the two stars of this, one being the like the one, yeah. the only the John Wick himself, Keanu Reeves, and the other being yeah, uh, Alex Winter, who both of them. Well, at one point, it could have not been. Uh, Keanu Reeves. I'm, I'm not sure if you've seen it. There's, you can see it on YouTube pretty easily. There's yeah. footage of Paulie Shaw and Alex Winter reading to get like reading together. I've heard about this, but I haven't watched it. I'm, um, I'm, I'm, I'll be honest. I'm not the biggest Paulie Shaw fan. I didn't really want to subject myself to it. <laughs> no, I just, um, yeah, I think, I think that obviously it's, uh, it's, it's a good thing that it turned out like it did because i think paulie shaw would have been too much yeah but um but that's yeah that's another thing to talk about though um the chemistry between these two is electrifying like even to the point where some people kind of some yeah a lot of people kind of like read them as just being the same character really just in two different bodies but um but yeah, like even like the story about how the two of them got cast, you know, like they both went for the audition. Um, I think they did pretty well with it anyway. And then 
the writers, uh, Chris and Ed, saw them in uh, McDonald's queue or something and just saw them just like hanging out and whatnot and yeah could just easily tell like these are the guys kind of thing um so i've i've like pulled up because i've i've heard a lot of like talk on it that obviously mm. like excellent adventure like many films of that time like isn't without sin like there's obviously readings of uh, excellent adventure now that kind of portray it as being quite like problematic uh, do you like how, how do you how do you kind of read that i know with the recent like 4k edition it kind of comes with a disclaimer at the beginning yeah so for that um i mean there is like the one obvious spout of that which is um there's a scene in the film where um where bill and ted call each other uh, the f word Mm-hmm. Um, which is definitely, yeah, seemingly uncomfortable by today's standards. And the way, like, I think for like for the time, it makes like a little bit more sense. Like, you know, this is probably just off, like, um, probably just maybe like off the cups of like the AIDS um, epidemic and whatnot. And so, like, there was still like quite a lot of like homophobia in the air and whatnot. It does seem weird of the characters to do that because it feels like genuinely out of character like you know as we said before these are characters that project a lot of love and whatnot but it just seems kind of odd for them to use like a homophobic slur um i've also seen another reading into this um that apparently this kind of almost like solidifies that um they are actually like attracted to one another and they are actually both like bi or gay which i thought was quite interesting um which kind of like makes sense and like you know the amount like those two like hang out with each other and like are joined at the hip and whatnot but um yeah, but yeah, I th- read I th- into it what you want but yeah yeah I, th- I think like i don't know that reading itself could could read quite problematic anyway in that like being yeah. like two men can't like just be have a very close friendship without it do you know what i mean like that 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 presents a whole a whole host yeah. of problems itself, and obviously we'll we'll get into it. But I feel I feel like it's something that needs to like be addressed. Obviously, as we're talking about now, that like very much the new film goes on to a point of like addressing stuff like that because it feels yeah. it feels like it could almost like be Bill and Ted's woke journey. Like it kind of has like they like. It's, it's a very inclusive, like, yeah. film. And, like, I don't know, even down to historical figures that, like, uh, a lot of portrayals of the, like, uh, flautist... Um, yes. Tend, um, tend, tend to be, ma- like, tend to be male, whereas in this, um, I, I feel terrible uh, not knowing... I, I just don't, don't want to get it <laughs> wrong with the flautist, but, like... It's Ling Lun, isn't it? Ling, Ling Lun, yeah. Yeah. Is normally portrayed as being a male flautist, whereas in the, in Face to Music, female. And um, I know it's not explicitly said, but like obviously we see the chi- like we see that Bill and Ted have kids at the end of uh, Bogus Journey. Um, mm. They just say this is little Bill and little Ted, and obviously. You can like, you can tell at the time. 
they're boys. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they're, they're, they're supposed to be like boys. And I guess they did, like, well, the end of Bogus Journey, anyway, like, if you kind of read all the newspaper headlines in the credits <laughs> and stuff like that, Face the Music has to do a lot of retconning just for that kind of like those gags that are done in in that kind of credit sequence anyway yeah. like uh, which i think but, it does a good job of to be fair but yeah i think i think like i don't know like it is you have to take like stuff like that with a pinch of salt and realize that stuff like stuff is is a, is a product of its time and it's, hmm. in the same time it's not to excuse like going like well it was like it was, ma- it was made all those years ago i just like yeah. i think i don't know like yeah it's got it's got those problems with it but like yeah and obviously like excellent adventure like every like bar joan of arc it's all male people from history do you know what i mean yeah and like I well aside from the princesses obviously but yeah yeah but that is literally like that they're, they're they're not really there for the presentation itself they're there as kind of trophies for them for like do, do you know what I mean they're like almost like a yeah oh I guess that, that's another thing about yeah it's like it's female politics aren't like amazing and obviously there's like some some slight like leeriness towards the character of Missy um who is um like their like in high school terms like she's their se- um she's their senior but also is married to uh Bill's dad <laughs> Yeah, and that, like, like, yeah, and there's a there's a joke in the the the, the, the in face the music. I won't spoil it for anyone, but like, it happens quite early on that like, it's quite weird. I'm not sure how that kind of felt with you. Obviously, it is it is like, <laughs> I I like so when it first happened, I was just like, oh okay, so they're kind of continuing on this tradition of her character, but then it's the way that they like they explain what their like familiar um roles are now i thought was just like really funny yeah <laughs> like that i thought was really amusing so yeah but obviously we won't get too into it because we don't want to spoil that so yeah yeah and i don't um and it it, it must be said as well like looking through the cast lists that the the princesses uh joanna and uh elizabeth in mm-hmm. all three movies have been played by like separate actresses they have yeah which um because i remember when i first saw um the news about pardon me um when i first saw the news about face the music breaking out but um that uh yeah the princesses hadn't been cast um yeah the original princesses hadn't been cast i was like oh that's a shame and then i and then i realized like hang on like it's always been a different it's been a revolving role anyway so it would I guess it would feel almost weird for them to come back again. Yeah, but I guess yeah. it also plays into the like. I'm not here to attack like the creators of Bill and Ted, but like yeah. I think it speaks to like a, a bigger issue that like they're just side characters. Do you know what I mean like? Yeah, it, like I think the the new one probably gives them the most to do almost yes. even though they're not that much in it like they're still there they have their own plot yeah, so, yeah and and like uh i don't know it would be like 
there's no issue with those those yeah with those actresses being recast um again like i should probably should know their names because I, I feel like i'm adding to the problem by not by not uh, giving, giving them their names i do apologize for this so yeah and that accused uh Azkoy and sarah trigger like <laughs> didn't come back for the new one but if it was William Sadler had been recast as Death, people would have been yeah. like, "Well, Hang on. <laughs> yeah, what, what are you doing? Like, we know, we know." Or like, I don't know. Uh, Bill's dad doesn't get a lot of like screen time in any of them, really. Do you know what I mean? He'll get like a, yeah. like, arguably, he gets as much screen time in Bogus Journey as Elizabeth and Joanna. Yet, if he was recast, people go. Like, Oh my god! You haven't you haven't got Howland and Junior like in, in the, again. It's like so like so like what you can you can you can recast the princesses, but you can't recast like Ted's dad. Fuck you! Yeah. No. <laughs> anyway, I'm getting off my soapbox now because I feel like I feel like I'm attacking something I love. Like I, I, no, no, it's fine. I don't, I, I no, can't. like this. We, we, you know, you, you go, you, you know, you look thing, uh, look back at things, and you just, you know, you realize, like, oh, okay, maybe that wasn't as perfect as I thought it was, but you know, you kind of address these things, and you're just like, okay, that wasn't, you know, the most like PC thing possible, but, but I, th- I still enjoy it. I think it adds to my point that obviously, like, the the new one, like, goes out of its way, not not to the detriment of the film itself, but like, no. goes out of its way to right those wrongs and be like yeah a lovely inclusive like film that like yeah. i walked out of the, the yeah we'll, we'll we'll get to that little tease yeah, yeah, yeah we'll get to how i feel we'll get to that so i don't know excellent adventure is great right and let's yeah no it's great um <laughs> I, think, I think the only thing i didn't really like on was um I, I think the soundtrack's pretty banging to be fair, uh, two heads about and one is a bop. Um, that extreme song that plays uh, during the the mall scene, I just think is like really great. Like the kind of the riff on like Mozart and whatnot, but like with electric guitars, it was very much of its time. But I just think it's really good fun. And then that opening song, which I don't actually know the title of it, but I'm guessing it's "I Can't Break It Away." You know, you know the one I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, just bop. Yeah. Well, I think like. Like the score for the like for Bogus Journey, the actual score itself's like really good, and I think like that's something that's not really talked about. Like, yeah, I mean, like that's like I don't know, it's got like a a, a real a, a real good like I think it's like sets the mood of it, and like obviously it, it that like I don't know, not the soundtracks themselves in regards to like thingy songs it's not really a film where you go like a pulp fiction where you're like oh you everyone had the cd soundtrack but like they are great like i don't yeah, yeah. there's no there's no real like stat do you know what I mean like in regards to like it doesn't live it doesn't live its own life outside of the film if that makes sense yeah like it just it's it's just a good yeah, it's, it's, it's a, like a decent playlist kind of thing but yeah, yeah. yeah it, it complements the film perfect so yeah. um yeah, what like how did you come to Bogus Journey? Was it really like and well obviously it came out after you but did you see it pretty soon after seeing Excellent Adventure? 
Yeah, basically. Like, I, I remember, so both both films were came out um, before I was born. I was born in 92. Um, so, yeah, they were both, like, already out and whatnot. And we had them um, both, like, recorded on VHS. Um, funny enough, both of them <laughs> um, were recorded, like, 10... I think, like, about, like, 10 minutes in or maybe even 15 minutes in, especially with, like, Bogus Journey, because I remember... The old VHS, well, recorded a copy that I had, they were already in hell. So I was always just kind of like, oh, okay, but Bill and Ted are just in hell then. Like, my <laughs> my infant self just accepted that. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I... Um, but then, like, years later, I would actually watch um, the actual, uh, the full film and whatnot. But, yeah, um, the only thing with Bogus Journey is, like, it's the one... Uh, well, we'll get into this a little bit later, but it's the one I prefer. So, yeah. What about you, Pat? It is, as I said, yeah, kind of, that was my entry point into it. And I think of course, yeah, sorry. Not just because it was, like, uh, my entry point, but, like, I do think it's a sequel that does better, like, than than the original. Not just because, like, I don't know, the, the first one, it's the plot line to it is very basic. Do you know what I mean? Like it's kind yeah. of like whereas this like kind of like goes all over the place. It's really nice to see like Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves play these dual roles as both like like Bill and Ted and the evil asses, like yeah. the evil Bill and Ted as these like robots sent from the future by uh the greatly named uh Denemelos. Do you, do you know why he's called that? Yes, Ed Solomon backwards. Which yeah. Is one of the <laughs> um, which, yeah, a, a great joke, like watching like the, the credits to Bogus Journey at the end is one yeah. of the newspaper headlines says that like Missy divorced Ted's dad and got married to him. <laughs> and it's like, like, I thought, like, that's what I mean. I watched that and then kind of got this joke at the beginning of Face the Music. I was like, oh, you didn't, you didn't mention that. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's, there's, there's as, as I said earlier, there's so much in that kind of end bit. But like, I don't know, it, as I kind of alluded to earlier, it's quite like, yeah, it's quite not gritty. That's like, it's quite scary, especially like watching it as a kid. Like, it's definitely, oh my God, scare, yeah. there's some scares in there, like this kind of, depiction of hell like and yeah it, which i'm gonna say is like one of my like favorite depictions of hell is the fact of like it's it gives you like the stereotypical you know fire and brimstone the devil and whatnot but then they get sent down into like this little like hall hallway which is um i like the i even like the fact that like it's a small cramped hallway like they have to be like crouched mm -hmm. down while like going around it and then they go through these doors and they go into like their personal hells which are like either when the two of them go through, they end up at like the military camp that um, Ted's dad is always threatening to send them to. Um, but when they go their separate ways, um, they're both like reduced to children, and it's like moments that happen in their life. So, like for Ted's one, it was when he <laughs> when he stole um, his little brother's like Easter basket, and the Easter bunny is after him, which is also a terrifying depiction of the Easter bunny. I'm not gonna lie, really freaks me out. Um, and then you got um, Bill going back into his childhood when um, <laughs> it's literally just like his grandma trying to give him a kiss. 
but like she's kind of like depicted like having like hairy lips and all this kind of stuff um and also funny side note is actually portrayed by alex winter yeah i thought that i thought like and and one of the things that really made me think like kind of solidified it in my brain without looking at it was like seeing him in face the music in like with like prosthetics and it's like you focus on the eyes and it's like Alex Winter's the the grandma in in Bogus Journey and it's like (laughs) that I think that terrified me as as kids obviously you know this listeners might not really figured out by my name but I'm half Greek and that like there's like this kind of like thing of like yeah being told to like kiss these like relatives or like friends of relatives like as a kid and just being terrified that and like having my cheeks pulled and like I don't like even to this date like this down like recoiling in like fear about stuff like that so like yeah that's a definitely that's that's a real fear and I, I totally understand uh Bill's like terror in those moments yeah um so yeah not just like the kind of like great depiction of hell but like uh, like I think I think one of the things that makes this one stand out as well is obviously they have like you don't really get like a third will in the first one. Do you know what I mean? It's all these other like there's just lots of like kind of vignettes of these different characters throughout history. Whereas yeah. in this we're going to get Bill and Ted and then Death, which like yeah. like William Sadler as Death is one of the greatest characters of all time like yeah there isn't like a week that goes by like that i don't think how great and i know it's a quote but like uh itself like from is like is yeah he, he he delivers a line which is like it doesn't matter like it doesn't matter if you're a king or a street sweeper like there's no way you can escape the reaper <laughs> But like he kind of wraps it, and like I, I, I think that is like that's a famous quote, like from like a poem or something, or like a some 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 philosopher said it or something like that. But like, oh, I didn't uh, know that. But like, yeah, and it's just this glint in his eye, and that that scene where like, so see, it's a riff on, is it uh, the Seventh Seal that it does a riff on with the whole. No. Yeah, his his whole like depiction is meant to be of uh, the Seven Seal, and obviously the whole like you know you have to play a game against me. Of um, in the original Seven Seal, it is um, a game of chess. Um, but obviously in this, it's like like Twister and like Cluedo and yeah stuff like that. Yeah, and it starts off with like Battleship, and it's just like <laughs> it's great. And again, like not only is it a great depiction of hell, it's like it's really great depiction of heaven as well when they eventually get there as well and it's this kind of like i don't know it looks like this kind of like post-modern like very 60s looking like painting almost like that they yeah. and it's like looks like it looks like something you'd see from like the 70s it's like a view of the future like one of that like those kind of things and it's like i don't know all these people these kind of like pastel colored clothes like kind of walking very stiff yeah and you've got like these weird like floating i guess they're kind of like saucers as such but i think that i think if you look closely there are like people maybe walking on them they're, they're meant to be like these weird like yeah. dish cloud things it's like platforms aren't they like, it's kind of yeah 
ovalish, like rat, like yeah, slightly rounded platforms that are kind of like that's just what makes up heaven. This this kind of like nice blues and pinks, like pastel colours up there, and it looks great. And again, we get yeah. some more historical figures. We get Benjamin Franklin, we get Einstein, and yeah. And they're all playing. Um, they're all playing charades <laughs> with with station as well. Station, like, which is like again a great like, and I think something that they, I don't know, kind of feels like a slight missed opportunity with the third one. Is obviously like, I know. I was really hoping he would come back, but yeah, yeah station coming back, but also like, um, like the avenues because death says to them like, oh, you thought like. The, the smartest inventor like ever would have been from Earth and yeah. like, the stations from Mars and it's like oh Bill and Ted had so much more like scope of where it could have gone as well like yeah. it could have been like intergalactic as just instead of like a time traveling heaven and hell epic like it, I don't know it, the, the galaxy's edge yeah is the limits here like they, they could they could have gone anywhere and i think that would have been yeah i just i don't know i don't want to nitpick the new one but like i just but, feel like there would have been like nice easter eggs for like yeah somewhere of station coming back or even like to see the robot bill and ted's like the, yeah. the the good ones even if they were just like lent up against the wall in like uh, Bill and Ted's garage, or something like that. Just like yeah. a nice little Easter egg to them would have been would have been something real, um, real, real, real sweet. So yeah, are you, are you the same as me? Do you prefer Bogus Journey to Excellent Adventure? I, I do. Yeah. Um, I, th I think it's just like the, it's it's such a mad film. Like honestly, like just the places that it goes to. It's just one of the most ambitious sequels I've ever seen. Well. Yeah, like one of the most ambitious sequels. It's just like it's purely like, oh, the first one is success. We're just gonna throw some money at you. You go do your thing. It's like, oh, okay, cool. So we're gonna kill him in the first fifteen minutes. They're gonna go to hell. They're gonna go to heaven. There's gonna be like evil robot versions of them. Like it's just, it's insane. And like death is like a main character in it. And I, I love it. I absolutely love it. And also like once again, like really cool soundtrack. Um, they even got original songs from both Megadeth and Faith No More, um, of whom uh, their old guitarist, uh, Big Jim Martin, actually makes an appearance at the beginning of the film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he, he's, I, he's one of the people who's like brought in for like a kind of like history lesson right? or like a music lesson in the yeah. future. Uh, some great cameos in this as well. So obviously we yeah. have, um, have Primus, uh, the band that like play before them in the Battle of the Bands. Uh, yeah. I guess you could call it a cameo. You have Pam Greer as uh, Miss Woodrow, the like the 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 event organizer for the Battle of the Bands, who turns out to be Rufus at the end. Yeah, which I just I it, it's such an odd. I mean, I, I like the, the fact that she's in it. I just didn't really like going back and knowing who Pam Greer is now. I was just kind of like, you're in Bill and Ted. Cool. Like I didn't really expect this, and this was just before her uh career kind of like reignited again after jackie brown so mm -hmm. yeah it's a yeah. cool little inclusion i like it yeah and it's um i don't know there's 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 somebody in the credits like called taj mahal which is like a, gr a great name uh yeah 
and I'm just trying to figure out. Oh, so he is like, yeah, he's a music. I feel like I should 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 know him, and now now I feel bad. Uh, <laughs> but that's um, the thing; like, it, it's all littered. Um, the cameos are kind of like all littered throughout the well, both the, like the the films anyway. Like even in the first one, um, one of like the supreme. Oh God, I can't remember what they uh, the, the the three most important people in the world. You have like Clarence Clemens and Martha Davis and uh, Fee Waybill, who were like, you know, kind of like legends in their field. And yeah, it's just kind of like littered throughout. And I think, um, oh God, what's his face from Arcade Fire is like one of like those roles, but in the new one, um, Will, oh, Will Butler is it? Win or Will Butler? Yeah, yeah, one of the. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like, uh, yeah, there's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's just, and I just, there's a moment in this, like, I just, again, death is like the saving grace of it. There is a moment that just gets me every time, which is like, it's, it's a real simple gag, but like, death walking through like a hardware store and there's a guy smoking and he says to him, like, I'll be seeing you soon. And it just yeah. like it really hits me every time, and I absolutely love it. Like I just think like, and 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 Will Sadler as well makes a cameo in this film, even though he is a main character, because yeah. he is the English guy when um, the Nomalos like screens out to the world. He's yeah. he's the British guy in his kitchen, uh, like oh. It's, Jolly good show, this. Uh, <laughs> and it's like, like, it's not when he's clapping as well. He's going quite good, quite good. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's that thing that, like, as as a kid, like, all this straight over my head, just absolutely yeah. loved it. And like, it's kind of it, it, it's a gift that keeps on giving because there's there's bits to kind of pick up on now and go like, oh my god, it's Will Sadler again. And then obviously, <laughs> like, um, I don't know. As you get older as well, you you see like Die Hard too, and it's like. Oh my God! Like you can see a glimpse of Will Sadler's dick in Die Hard too. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's there was an uh, there was another little like one of those kind of things as well. Um, I noticed. You know when um, was it Missy's like just before Bill and Ted's um, when Bill and Ted have died and they're like just roaming around the astral. Well, yeah, roaming around um, the place and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. Um, by the way, I also forgot about one of my favourite scenes in this film is when Ted possesses his dad. Oh, it's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. And just like the flip on the whole, like the guitar riff thing, but instead he has a banjo. It kills me every time, to be honest. Is it a banjo or is it a flamenco guitar? Huh? Is it a banjo or is it like flamenco guitar or something like that, isn't it? Is oh, it... I, I always thought it was meant to be a banjo. I'm not like, too sure, actually. Well, it's something a bit more nerdy, isn't it? As opposed to like a heavy metal riff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, I'm I'm trying to find it now. But there was that was it. Yeah. So when um, yeah, just after that scene where Chrissy, uh, Chrissy, and Missy is doing like her séance thing uh, with her friends, um, they um, they have to read this passage backwards in which to send them back into hell. And it, I can't remember how to say it like forwards, but um, but backwards it spells Ed and Chris will rule the world in reference to the two writers. Amazing. Well. It's, it's weird that you mentioned that because, like, they have cameos in all three of these films. They um, do, yeah. So the first one, they 
like Napoleon is one of the characters in Exit Adventure, and he like Deacon, uh, Ted's brother, takes him like to get ice cream, and they play like the the, the waiting stuff, like those two kind of like insufferable guys, like being like, it's the ziggy piggy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and then they play the friends at the seance yeah aren't they always like they're always credited as like stupid whatever um they are like so it's like it's stupid waiters in the first one then it's like stupid friends and then um yeah, in stupid. the third one yeah yeah yeah, yeah stupid seance members is the third one yeah, yeah it's the second one and then I know they have they have different titles in the Ed Solomon is stupid and Chris Matheson is ugly in in, in the third one which I <laughs> know oh it's always been ugly and stupid yeah yeah, yeah. oh it has oh okay yeah so that's that's a nice little uh, I don't know like and it is that thing like if you know who they are and then like especially with the new one you pick up on that it's like that's great like I don't know yeah. I love that they've like. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Alfred Hitchcock themselves into the into their own movie, and yeah. there's yeah, there's so many great bits in Bogus Trail. Like the, the whole thing with the 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 mountain that they're well, like the cliffside they're thrown off of, uh, features like in a famous like Star Trek episode that like yeah, which they're watching beforehand as well. Yeah, Evil Bill and Ted are watching, yeah, and they take them up to that exact location and like throw yeah. them, throw them off. Is, I don't know. It's it's great. Like, I, and yeah, oh, I bloody love it. <laughs> oh, it's, it's so good. So good. But yeah. So <laughs> let, let's talk about face the music. So, well, we uh, we forgot one thing actually. The uh, the kind of extended material between. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of yeah. course. Yeah, yeah, like it's not a franchise if it doesn't have other avenues. No, uh, yeah, I believe there was even a serial at one point as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, like no, so it spawned off um, a um, yeah a live action TV series and um, an animated series as well, and also its own comic book too. Uh, various iterations of so that. But... With the television series, were they yeah. were they in it? So I believe that they did the voice. They did the voices um, for the animated one, but they didn't reprise their role in the TV show, as far as I know. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, so Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures live-action series ran for seven episodes. That does not... <laughs> oh, but then... Uh... Yeah, the animated series... I, I vaguely remember maybe seeing that, or... Maybe it's getting like confused in my head because I remember as a kid I watched a lot of real Ghostbusters. Uh, okay, yeah, it's very cool. Well, yeah, quite similar animation style mm -hmm. as well. But yeah, I remember. I I think I do remember like seeing bits of it when I was a kid. I don't really remember like full on episodes. Um, but I, I sent you something this morning of um, a clip from it, which I. I was laughing my ass off this morning. <laughs> yeah, and you can hear that right now. So, with the comics, uh, have you have you ever read any? Uh, so this is embarrassing. Um, my my brother actually bought me um, the full collection of one of um, one of the comic book series, and I still need to read it. 
So sorry, Jake. I will get on it. <laughs> Terrible brother. I do apologize. <laughs> so yeah, they they what they were released well originally through Marvel. There's a there's a series called uh, well just Bill and Ted's Excellent Comic, which yeah. has, is that is that the twelve issue run that you've got from 1992 or no i have one that's um done a little bit more recently and i think was also it was um meant to um it's meant to come off like right after um right after the events of bogus journey i'm trying to find it actually hold on i'm trying to remember what the actual title for it was just do a quick google um, I would go f- try and find the comic, but just in case, it might take a bit too long. I think it was like because oh, I know there's a new one even coming out this year as well. Uh, whilst you uh, Google, I'm just going to run for a wee. Be too okay, cool. Uh, I think I might do as well. So yeah, well, uh, have you have you found the bloody name of the comic, Ethan? I have. <laughs> it was uh, Bill and Ted's Most Triumphant Return. Which I'm not gonna lie, I I kind of prefer that title to face the music. Yeah, or even like there's there's other titles like uh, I don't know. One of them's very on the nose. There's a comic just titled Bill and Ted Save the Universe, which uh, yeah. may be a bit too on the nose for 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 the uh, for the subject matter of the third film. Uh, or even Bill and Ted are doomed, which I, I kind of like that. I kind of like the uh, mm. which which acts as an official uh, prequel to the new film. Uh, looking at the like covers of these comic books, like I don't know. I, I I often wonder maybe I shouldn't keep collecting stuff, <laughs> but like oh, I would. Yeah, part of me is like, I really want. I really want this. Like, I've definitely, on like Forbidden Planet, put like Bill and Ted action figures into my like basket and then just left them there for months. I've been like, you can't afford to be buying sixty like sixty pound like, action <laughs> figures. What are you doing? Like, you got no space for them. Like, <laughs> are those the ones that have like the kind of like they have like the kind of almost like realistic clothes and stuff on them? Yeah, and then you can get like I think a part of the like box that they come in has like a kind of build your own phone box. Oh, so good. Yeah, so like uh, again, like this has spawned so much kind of, and over the twenty nine years that these films have been aware, so obviously they had the TV series, like you said, serial, like video game tie-ins and comic books and stuff like that. It's yeah. just like kind of generations have, have, have gone on and like it's kind of they have they've never really from everything I've known it's never they've never not been like kind of meant not been mentioned they, they are a part of just like kind of pop culture and do you know what I mean like referenced a lot do you know what I mean even if it's like like just I don't know people talking about that like do you know what I mean it's I don't think there's ever been a time where it's like been there's been a fallow time of like there being not some kind of chat online or something like that of Bill and Ted. No, like they've they've never really like left the culture zeitgeist, and I think um, I, I think that there are definitely some people that don't know about them, but they they've had like just such an enduring and dedicated fan base ever since that they just kind of 
I think they won't let it die as such, which I think is great. Um, I think might have been almost like um, a bad thing for Keanu um, at one point, because I know that he was really trying, even during Bogus Journey, um, from knowing his history, I know he was trying to like get away from that whole do persona as such. He really wanted to be taken like seriously as an actor, you know, like doing roles in like Shakespeare adaptations and stuff like that. But in these days he seems to be way more welcoming to the role. And I don't, you know, he's a very successful actor. I don't think he'd need to bother um, doing the new one if he didn't want to. Well, I think it's that thing as well. And that, that kind of ferocious, like kind of fans and stuff like that mm. is why face the music exists. Right. Because absolutely. Yeah. If, like if, if, if it wasn't for the fans and I know that the, the kind of, this has been kicking about for years. Like I've I've heard chat of there being a third, a third movie like years and years. And there's like a uh, Justin Horowitz like interview from like seven years ago that I think has like resurfaced yeah. recently. Like, and I think people are trying to pass it off as something new. It's where um he says like oh he calls it he, he like calls him Bill. He says, yeah. Like, he says like oh would it be would it, like yeah, would you be able to get back into the character of Bill? Like, well, I played Ted, <laughs> and like he kind of, like, he jokingly does a mic drop, and it's obviously like walks out the room. <laughs> yeah, which is like a thirty-second clip in like a like a, a much longer interview, and like like obviously na- nowadays people just see it's good on an Instagram story, so people go, "Oh my god, he said," and, and the fact that uh, Keanu Reeves hasn't aged so people like <laughs> would assume that an interview from seven years ago is today yeah um i mean not right to, i mean not in the last few months but yeah, yeah <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. like would yeah, it yeah, been yeah. like yeah um and it's i don't know it's yeah he's he's great and this this third so like tell tell, tell me about how we like what came about when you saw this like what are your thoughts on face the music um i i really enjoyed myself i really did um it's just such it's so weird to watch something um and i saw like quite a lot of like reviews pick up on this just how like by today's standards it's so uncynical like a lot like even like comedy films these days still have that kind of like air of like cynicism whatnot but this is just so like good-hearted like this is i don't know like i I don't know if it's quite like paddington levels of wholesomeness but like it's definitely got that kind of quality of just like yeah it's it's still like a very like sweet film like i left the film just feeling like quite warm and like fuzzy as such it was just like this is just this is just lovely kind of thing yeah well yeah I, i i can't remember the last time that I didn't see, like, like, that I saw a film in the cinema, at least, that had a PG rating. That yeah, wasn't, that wasn't that was animation. mad. That wasn't that wasn't like a, a an animated film, whether it's like a kind of like uh, I don't know, like a Pixar. Oh, do you know what I mean like a, a DreamWorks yeah. film or, or something, something like that? It's like, oh, this is a live action PG film, and I'm yeah. really excited to see it. And I, I do think like. My excitement, like, I, this is something that I think about a lot. Is like, obviously, what you bring to a film 
will yeah. very much dictate your enjoyment of it. And I yeah. think it's it's a, it's a common problem to like the world we live in that like uh, everything's so hyped up that yeah. you or like everything's like there's no middle ground. It's either like this is the biggest disappointment of the century, or like <laughs> this is the best thing since that best thing last week. And it's like, <laughs> there is no middle ground to go like oh, this is like. It is what it is, and like I went, I went in with these these high expectations, but like it took me a little bit of time. It took me like ten, fifteen minutes to kind of like go. You know what? Like, let go of that. Like, stop being a dick. Like, it just just enjoy it for what it is. And like, um, doing some reading today, actually, like. There is a premise in this film, oh, oh, like that they have seventy-seven minutes to do something. Yeah. Like, obviously, won't ex- explain what it is. You guys go watch it, and then you can hit me and Ethan up on Twitter or whatever, and like discuss it further. Yeah, uh, if, if 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 you want to go into it, uh, like plot points and stuff like that. But from that point, like there is seventy-seven minutes left of the film. And I didn't realise that when I was in the cinema, and I was like, I, I, I kind of like suspected it. I was like, if I'd have known that, that would like really have just played into my anxiety. I would have been like, oh good, like, oh, I don't know, like, <laughs> like, they've really got to do it and stuff like that. But like, yeah. I walked out of this film like with a lump in my throat and like red, like, like on 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 the verge of tears. It's it's so just yeah. As I said before, it's just so sweet, like. I... But I, I think it plays into something that like, I'm not sure how you feel on this. Like, yeah. and I guess again, it's it's what what your life like, yeah, what your own personal circumstances and stuff like that that like you put into a film. But, yeah. but for me, as somebody like to my own admission, like I have been somewhat someone who's kind of like waited for like stuff to happen. Yes, like, and kind of been like, oh yeah, I, 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 I am gonna do like I'm gonna I don't know I'm gonna do something with myself and like it's never like I don't know like never quite happened for me and like do you know what I mean like, I'm, I'm trying and stuff like that and like part of it's like there's loads of things is it is it like I don't know like imposter syndrome is it is like what whatever like my mental health issues are around it and stuff like that but like. And that thing of like, like, I don't know, to quote Socrates or Socrates, like, uh, we just dust it like the. Do you know what I mean? Or like, yeah, Ted from the first one, like, we're just yeah. dust in the wind. The wind. Just <laughs> in the wind. And it's like, like that coupled with, again, a like paternal like aspect of this film and like kind of like passing the torch to the next generation and elements of this film that kind of like deal with mistakes of your past even though they might not be your past or kind of like the the potential deterioration of relationships and stuff like that all of that really fucking punched me in the heart and like I was like, 
I did not expect to go see Bill and Ted film and, and it like kind of like really resonate with me and be like, oh man, like I haven't got a time, like I, I haven't got a time machine to be like, uh, <laughs> to, to, and, and obviously my destiny isn't to, to, to say, say it, but I, I kind of like came away from it being like, it would like, do you know what I mean? Like maybe, I don't know, maybe level down my expectations, not just for cinema, but like for myself as well. And like, I don't know, like it had like a weirdly calming, calming effect on me. Like, yeah, it's really, even a day later, like not even a full 24 hours. It's like, it it just, I don't know. It's a warming feeling in my heart. And I'm like, oh man, like it's not, it's not going to be that bad. And like, even, even if I had to sell my like sell my metaphorical guitar, do you know what I mean? And like kind of move on with my life and like settle, it's gonna be all right. Like and I think that's that's kind of what this film and maybe like maybe I don't know, your me or you do you know what I mean? Like the the collective you, the collective I, me, whatever, aren't destined to do like great things we're not destined to like i don't know write the song to save like the 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 universe and it's like like, yeah and i think i I think that this film really like i don't know it really just just like gives it gives a message that it's okay just to be you and like you don't have to do great greatness that like i don't know yeah it's not yeah I don't, I, um, I, I don't think I could put it better than that, to be honest. Um, but yeah, no, it does really go into, um, like, yeah, even for such a lighthearted film, it does go into, like, those implications of, like, you know, even, like, it's weird because the, these films are always, they're so lighthearted and whatnot, but they tackle such heavy themes of just kind of, like, death and destiny and, like, obviously the whole thing of just sort of, like, we we are putting it all, like, the future is, putting it all on these two people to write the song that unites the world. Like that's a really heavy thing like to put on someone. And then it kind of gets even heavier in the new one, which is um, that if you don't write the song in, uh, yeah, don't write and perform the song in the 77, um, at the end of the 770 minutes, then the, the whole of reality is going to undo itself. Yeah. and well, Like that's so <laughs> heavy <laughs> well yeah it plays into that thing of the burden of like responsibility and obviously that can be like seen as a metaphor for like them being parents as well that obviously like and uh, that, that's a reading i got from it it's like you have you do have this spot like and, and we all have responsibilities in our life and like they might be what bill and ted's are but they might be minor and it's kind of like the greater the responsibilities get the kind of like the more the more burden you, you can feel but like uh it's a great like and it's a great supporting cast whether it's new or old like mm. the... no i thought i thought the uh the casting of um the two daughters especially um billy and fia who are played by um samara weaving and bridget lundy payne they're just perfect like bridget lundy payne's performance i thought um they emulated uh 
Keanu as Ted in like the original Excellent Adventure like so well, but not in like a mimicry kind of way, but like it's just like that feels like young Keanu back on the screen again kind of thing. Oh, but um, even still, I I really like that. Um, like I read so um, I read some interviews later on um, where they the original plan was to have um, them as um, as their sons instead, but it just played like too much, just like this is literally just Bill and Ted again kind of thing, but they are very much their own characters. Like they're a little bit more like music nerds as such who like love their dads. And yeah, I, once again, it just builds into that sweetness of the film as well. Well, yeah, there's that. And like, uh, like there's a great little story as well that Samara weaving, like uh, it was on the fence, whether she'd like get the role. What one of the kind of deciding factors for it, was when Keanu saw her surname and then obviously like her uncle is Hugo Weaving. Yeah. And he was like, Oh, I worked with your uncle on the Matrix. Like we can't <laughs> get her on board. Like just as almost like a little a little favour to him. And it's like obviously yeah. nepotism does work, guys. Uh, it, yeah. But I did see something else quite funny about that as well, which was um like apparently like kind of every day on set with the two of them, Samara was just kind of like you killed my dad, and my you killed my uncle in a film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's like I think like one of the uh, standout performances in this is uh, Anthony Carrigan as <laughs> Dennis C- Caleb McCoy, which like, is a fantastic like the first time you see this character again. I don't like. I knew nothing. I don't want to say too much. But I, I, I knew very little about this going in. And I think that is kind of the best way to leave it. But like, yeah, when you first see this character, you're like, what the fuck? And then <laughs> after, like, when the character gets established, it's like, this is, he's fucking great. Yeah. Like, I thought it really, like, his character kind of, like, taps into, like, really did tap into, like, like that weirdness of Bogus Journey of just kind of, like, I don't, I, don't, I really don't want to say too much because I, I do think that it's, like, his character is just so, mm-hmm. yeah, one of the highlights of the film for me, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know, it's hard to talk about this one without, like, like, giving plot points away, like, even mentioning certain characters, it's like, I don't really, I don't really want to, and I know it sounds like a, uh, I don't know, a cop-out to be like, no, let, let's not talk about it. But, like, yeah. I think we've talked about enough of, like, the kind of the, the enduring love and, like, the a, a point that we've talked about off-mic, which is, like, this kind of wholesomeness that Bill and Ted has had throughout the whole of, like, their tenure or what it, like, whatever, whatever the correct term would be as, as like, a franchise in this kind of, like, this fantastic motto of like like be excellent like put like party on and it's like that almost feels like a mantra that can like well the first being like very explicit but the the second like obviously i don't know yeah like being being open-ended but like still with uh, like positive positivity to it and it's like i i I absolutely, yeah, I was absolutely swept away with this new one, and yeah. I, I hate to do this to you, but quick fire, how would you rank these films? Oh, 
think it's it it would probably be from highest to lowest and not to say the lowest is bad of course but i would probably go to one free still so to the best yes yeah. so yeah I, I still there, there's just something about two that just still just that's just bill and ted for me kind of thing yeah so so yours is uh bogus journey excellent adventure face the music yeah how about yours um mine's gonna be well the same but i'm like this this could change but i'm gonna have to flip excellent adventure with face the music like it's gonna be bogus journey face the music excellent adventure just because i think yeah like the the kind of like emotional i don't know like feelings that that that, that the new one made me feel but that that is probably like i'm as again i said in the intro to like or way back at the beginning of this podcast i'm a sucker for anything with like a a parental through line ever it's a an a plot a b plot a c plot it's got that you you fucking you've got me on my knees and it's like fucking having kids do you mean it's like that's that's what happens you have a kid like you just you're just a sucker for those things and it's like and this is an endorsement to go out and say to people have kids you enjoy (laughs) you enjoy films more like you can see a lot less so arguably you won't enjoy films much because you won't see as much. But like, you do what you want to do. You have a kid, you don't have a kid. You do whatever you want to do. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Uh, perfect. Uh, so, uh, what have you got any like? Yeah, like closing closing thoughts on on the franchise as a whole. Oh, well, there was uh, there was just one more thing I did want to talk about again yeah. um, on the new one, which was uh, once again the music, um, which I thought was really cool uh, when I first saw that. Um, the uh, the soundtrack getting announced um being like a lifelong metal fan i was so happy to see mastodon and lamb of god had written like original songs for this soundtrack i was just like that's amazing um also their placements of the songs in the soundtrack i thought were really cool um the weezer song for it sounds like the best kind of weezer which is just good And then all of like, um, so one thing we didn't actually talk about beforehand was um, all like the little air guitar stuff that Bill and Ted do, all of that is recorded by Steve Vai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, Legendary virtuoso guitarist. Um, But I feel like they kind of got his modern day uh, equivalent, which is, um, yeah, which is Tunde um, Adger from uh, Animals as Leaders who are oh, quite well-known within, like, the gent scene and whatnot, and even had a uh, helping hand in writing one of the songs on the new record. And I just thought, like, that's really cool. Like, you know, that, like, he's a, uh, you know, he's a well-known musician in his field, but to put him in, like, this, I guess, like, you know, major motion blockbuster, I was like, this is rad, you know, you're, you're highlighting on more, like, younger artists and whatnot, and, yeah. Well, it's that thing. I think, I think these films are made with, like, love and affection, and that, like, they they will want to like get like and and there's a thing to this film as well. There's there's something that happens in the closing credits. And again, I won't I won't talk about it too much. But like they put out a call to fans. Like and if you want to do your independent research on this as to what they put out a call to fans to provide some footage for them 
and then it ended up in in the actual film during the closing credits so it's like this is about yeah. the fans do you know what I mean like and it's just yeah like using someone like that to do the to do the like guitar riffs and something like that it's like they know they I, I saw something on Twitter recently of a guy who's like a graphic designer and I think like they kind of done an open call for people to just design like uh wild stallion merch that would have been throughout the years and then this guy was like i can't believe that like uh, a design i made actually ended up being on the t-shirt that uh bill wears throughout the film like that kind of two-headed stallion uh like wild stallions t-shirt oh, he's wearing throughout and it's like it's stuff like that and like the sense of community around it as well like I have like Orion Pictures and like the people who put this out, I have like absolute hats off to them. Their kind of rollout for this during like the kind of COVID situation with it, with their like release in both cinemas and like a premium pay per view like system. Absolutely all for that. It kind of, it's not, you know, it doesn't feel as cynical as other releases where it's like, you have to like you have to go to the cinema you guys have to save the future of cinema it's like do we now yeah sorry mate hold on a sec hello Okay, that might be a bit more stable now. Sorry, I was using my phone internet at the moment, and then I just looked at my phone and realised it was on eleven percent battery, and thought, "Oh, that might be why it's being a bit um, shit." Um. Yeah, I just think I just think in, in in regards to like the way this was rolled out, it's like perfect and stuff like that. It's, it's not cynical, like the the, 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 no. dual, the dual release thing and stuff like that, like the kind of online community around it and stuff like that and how kind of like uh, Ed Solomon, Chris Matheson and like Alex Winter especially are all like really responsive online and stuff like that. They, they always seem to be like I don't know, interacting with fans and stuff like that which is like it's what you want to see and it kind of it feels like they made it for the fans and like I don't know, yeah really 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 fun <laughs> yeah like it's it's that and then also like just how even even alex winter feels like he's you know like he feels like of of the franchise himself with like the, the amount of positivity he gives out you know he's a very he seems like a really inclusive guy like um someone like brought up something about like um like just random like uh replied to him saying like oh can you say like trans lives matter or something and he put up like the trans flag, but it had like a black bar in the middle, and that's actually the black trans yeah, yeah, yeah. flag. And loads of people were just like, "Oh, did you make a mistake?" Because I was like, "No, black trans lives matter." And I was like, "Wow, that's that's really sweet." Yeah, and you like, know, he's very. You know. Well, it must have taken a lot as well, because obviously, like Alex Winter has moved on to like being like a filmmaker in his own right, doing like a lot of uh, documentary work and stuff like that. Like he did a deep web that is like. For years was the closest we got to a Bill and Ted reunion because it's a documentary directed by Alex Winter and narrated by Keanu Reeves. Yeah. But like his last like acting job in a lead role was in Freaked 
1993. Yeah, did he direct that himself as well? Uh, possibly, but like uh, without looking. But like, yeah, he hasn't done like. Do you know what I mean? He hasn't done like a serious role in anything since then. Mm. Like, and it's. Well, yeah, he co-directed that with to, uh, Tom Stern, Freaked. But, like, yeah, like, it must have taken a lot for him to kind of be not not dragged out of retirement, but, like, to be brought back onto the the big screen. And I know that, like, from doing some reading, that, like, he went back to acting lessons and stuff like that to kind of, like, get, like, to, to really make sure he, he brought his A game. And, like, I don't know, like... I definitely could see an element of people being cynical about this film, and I definitely could see like a thing of like it could be. I don't know. People probably find it too saccharine that they feel like they need fillings after watching it. But like, let my let my teeth rot, and like I'll I'll I'll, I'll just I'll just smile with gums. Like I just <laughs> I found it so joyful by the end of it. Yeah. Uh, amazing. So. Next week, well, no, not next, next time on uh, uh, Scenes on Screen, we will be discussing socially conscious horror. Obviously, Halloween is fast approaching us. Uh, if you're unaware on what socially conscious horror is, we're talking the likes of Night of the Living Dead, uh, Get Out, 28 Days Later, and make sure you follow us over on Twitter, which is at Scenes on Screen, where we'll be posting about the kind of films we're watching in the run-up to it. So if you want to watch along and kind of like get involved in the conversation or suggest some socially conscious horror films that me and Ethan should watch, and we'll be, we'll be looking back at some of those and also looking at kind of like how the social situations and like kind of, yeah, where where horror could be going we're looking at the likes of the the host the the recent uh shudder original that has kind of sent massive seismic waves throughout the kind of horror industry and has led to director uh rob savage being signed to a free picture deal with blumhouse productions which i guess is every horror director's kind of like uh I don't know, like goal at the moment, because it seems like those guys will take a risk and give you, even if it's a smaller budget, it's probably going to be bigger than a budget that for a film that you made on Zoom during lockdown. So, I I'm imagining that, uh, yeah, Rob Savage is 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 real happy right now. Um, yeah. What have you got coming up on on the on the blog at the moment, Ethan? Or what what by the time this is out? What will what, what what will there have been there that's new that people might not have seen before? Uh, so hopefully I should have out my. I'm actually going to be doing a piece on uh, the Bill and Ted franchise and talking about the um, the everlasting charm and uh, wholesomeness of it. Um, other than that, uh, let's have a look at my articles. Um. Hey. Don't worry about it. We'll, nah, keep it sure. we'll keep it a tease, and then people yeah. can bring it. You can, uh, yeah, we'll be putting on the blog as well. Like each week, we'll kind of like just be doing 
short little lists of, of films that we've been watching as well. Small write-ups, just so you can kind of like, I don't know, obviously there's like uh, Letterboxd and stuff like that, but just we'll link over to all of that stuff, but kind of picking a choice few from each week and just doing a little write-up so you guys can read that. That's over on medium.com forward slash scenes on screen. And um, yeah, by the time you're listening to this, I should have started my monthly uh, series, which will be called uh, Five Pound Flicks, where I go to my local um, charity shop or secondhand shop and find a Blu-ray for five pounds or less and watch it. So the quality could be varying from the very good. The first film I would have covered by now. Uh, will be Women in Love, directed by Ken Russell. Uh, but that, 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 that seems like a high watermark. It could get very low. There's a lot of depths you can get to under £5. So, yeah, join me for that, and it, sh- it should be a fun ride. And uh, where can people keep up to date with what you're doing, Ethan, um, online? Uh, so you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd over at um, Ethan underscore Valentine. And then you can also uh, subscribe to my personal Medium page, which is medium.com at Ethan Valentine O'Connell. Perfect. And yeah, you can find me uh, on Twitter. Yeah, Twitter's probably the best place, which is P Pat Syllabus. Uh, you can just search Petrus Pat Syllabus Medium on Google. You'll find it. You can pretty much Google Petrus Pat Syllabus and you'll find me. Uh, if you want to talk some Nick Cage, obviously you can come listen to my other podcast, which is Caged In, uh, which is available on all good platforms, all that good stuff. And obviously, yeah, this podcast, if you're listening, tell your friends about it. And share it, share it. So, just there'll be there'll be there'll be a, a button on whatever you're listening to now. Just hit that share thing, share it on social media, tell people about it, and rate and review. Obviously, like it doesn't sound like a lot. Every podcast asks me to rate and review, but at the end of the day, it really does help. And and subscribing as well, subscribing really helps. If if Apple and the podcast platforms see that people are subscribing. Uh, and leaving those rate and reviews that, that that they'll push us out to more people. Hopefully, this is what people want, right? They want they want a conversation of two more white dudes talking about films. There's not enough of that on the internet, right? No, not at all. So yeah, like come on, make make two make make two white dudes' dreams come true. And have their have their podcast about films go multi platinum and then uh, or whatever whatever it is, then we'll get we'll get bought out by Spotify and we'll be up there with Dissect and Joe Rogan laughing on our mountain of money. Does that sound, does that sound good to you guys? Because that that sounds uh, that sounds fantastic to me. How does that sound to you, Ethan? Do you want to be up on that mountain of money with Joe Rogan? Of course I do. <laughs> Perfect, guys. So you, all you got to do is uh, rate, review, and subscribe. And uh, until until next time, when we will talk to you again about some socially conscious horror. I've been Petrus Patsilavus. I've been Ethan Valentine O'Connell. This has been Scenes on Screen. Just another film.